You know, have, have you ever seen a movie that you're like, there has to be a sequel? There has to be a part two. And um, we're happy to announce that Love Handles Part Two has made its way back to Impact City Church. Love Handles, I, was t- I told Pastor Israel, I said, I don't know if Part Two or the sequel sounds better. Um, but we're just, we're going to call it Part Two because there might be a Part Three. But we, we're excited to share four brand new messages uh, f- with you that we feel that are really going to just help us wherever we're at and, and be a blessing to us. So today I want to talk to you about getting the heart right. Getting the heart right. So Romans chapter 12, it's in the version app. It will be provided for you on the screen. Romans 12, 2 in the message says this. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. In other words, don't just get so absorbed with what's going on around what society says. Instead, it says, fix your attention to God, on God. And we'll be changed, in other words, from the inside out. And, and I, I realize that that's not how we want it all the time. We want it from, from the outside in. We want it to be a visible change. We want it to be an immediate change, something that you can really see immediately. We want it externally, but it begins on the inside. It begins on the inside. And it's my task today that, that I'm, I'm able to share this with you in, in how all this coincides. And it says, readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. But look what he says. He says, God brings the best out of you. That's my prayer for me. That's my prayer for you, that God would bring the best out of us. Amen? In our temperament, it means how, how, I, how I handle stress and I'm not going to fly off the handle so easily. In our attitude, in our marriage in our communication, and how we resolve conflict, how we approach people. In all of it, Paul says, God wants to bring it out of you. He develops well-formed maturity in you. In you. That is God's plan. It's God's plan for your life. It's God's plan. It's his design for you. If you take the journey that God has for you. So I want to submit to you today, just like in the natural... Our whole body is centered around our heart. The condition of our heart can determine the condition of our life. The quality of our lives. It's one of the few organs in your body that we cannot live without. I can live, live without some organs. But I can't live without the heart. Without the heart, we'll die. That's why cardiovascular disease is the number one killer in the world. The number one killer in the world. But I want to submit to you a thought that there's also spiritual cardiovascular disease. And how is my heart, how is your heart this morning? A lot of what we don't like is coming out of the condition of our heart. Proverbs 4.23 says this, above all else, guard your heart. For it is the wellspring of life. 
Another translation says, because out of it flows all the issues of life. We may not realize it, but it's a heart matter. When Jesus came along and, and when he taught, so coming into the New Testament, he was trying to get religion out of the people, trying to get a mindset of just following these rules and trying to get faith in God away from the external. It's, it's all how you look. It's all how you behave. We understand in the Old Testament the laws were external. And the New Testament comes along and, and Jesus is trying to convey the message to the, to the people who have been accustomed to this way of thinking that it's all about the exterior. He wants to let them know that it really matters what's going on on the inside. What's going on on the inside. And so Jesus comes and, and he, he says, you've heard it say, do not commit adultery. Undoubtedly a command we are to follow. But yet when Jesus is teaching, he says, but I tell you, if you have lust in your heart, you're already in the process of adultery because it's stemming from, it's coming from the inside. So if we could take care of the heart, why, why is this important? If we could take care of the heart, the rest could resolve itself. How's your heart today? So even when they're talking about divorce, watch Matthew chapter 19. Some Pharisees came and tried to trap him, like religious people do. Should a man be allowed to divorce his wife for just any reason? Haven't you read the scriptures, Jesus replied. They record that from the beginning God made them male and female. Amen. God made them male and female. I know the world is confused about that, but let's, be, let's just look at it the way it is. God's word is perfectly clear. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one, since there are no longer two but one. Let no one split apart what God has joined together. So that's how Jesus responds to the question. So they come back with a follow-up question. Have you ever been asked something, you know, and you respond to the person, and they, they're like, hmm, they're trying to really get you, trap you up. Come up with a follow-up question. Then they say, then why did Moses say in the law that a man could give his wife a written notice of divorce and send her away, they asked. In other words, they were telling Jesus, if this is not what you wanted, then why is it permitted in the law? And Jesus replied this. He said, Moses permitted divorce only as a concession to your hard hearts. To your hard hearts. Hearts, but it was not what God had originally intended. It was not what God had originally intended. In any time that we have something in our lives that God didn't originally intend, we can do one of two things. It always boils down to this. We can continue in our own strength. We can continue trying to do things and trying to fix things on our own, trying to be better on my own. Or we can address the condition of our hearts and say, God, I really need you right now. I need you right now because I don't like the path that my life is going. I, I, don't like, I don't like where the decisions that I've been making. The heart issue is so huge that in the Old Testament, let me submit this thought to you, that whenever the priest uh, would put on a priestly garment to enter in, into the place of worship, one of those garments was called the breastpiece of decision. And you, and you can say today, well, you're, you're talking about priests. Well, let me remind you that in the New Testament, First Peter tells us that we are a royal priesthood, that we are a kingdom of priests. 
So Exodus 28 and 29 says this, that whenever Aaron, he was the priest, enters the holy place, he will bear the names of the sons of Israel over his heart. So when you come to God, when we come to God, there's names over our heart, carrying something, which is what bearing means, that has been written on our lives. So let me put it this way, that we are all the sum total of everything that has happened to us up until this point. Uh, We are all the sum total of everything that has happened to us up to this point, and it's all right here. It's all in our hearts. Stay with me. So that's why we can all see the same thing, but see it different. That's why you can watch the same movie as a person sitting next to you and have a different opinion of what that movie was like. Because you're processing it. We We are all processing it through the filter of our heart. It's a filter of our experiences. We see life through experiences Somebody put it this way, it's the pain, past, problems, and people. Pain, past, problems, and people. Everything in our lives, we filter through that. That's why some of our hearts drop when we see a certain person calling us at a certain time of the day because our heart, we always go back to an experience. Or when they called and shared something not so good. Or, or every time you open up the mail because you go back to an experience. Every time you see a person, we all have them. And this is what the Bible says. On the breast piece of decisions as a continuing memorial before the Lord, thus Aaron will bear the means of making decisions for the Israelites over his heart before the Lord. Decisions are coming from where? From right here. Good stuff, bad stuff. We all put it through a filter. So that's why today if you have an unrepented, unhealed, unforgiven heart, you may ask yourself, why do I keep acting like this? Or why does this make me so mad? Why does this bother me so much? It's because you're putting it through a filter of things that have been written on your heart. Which is why it's so important on the spiritual journey, what the Bible refers to sanctification, that we would let our hearts get healed. I'll go a bit further. There's absolutely no way for us to improve our relationships, to improve communication, for me to improve my marriage, for me to improve the addictions, the choices. There's no way for me to improve my life if I don't address first what's going on deep down on the inside. Because above all else, I have to guard it because out of it flows the wellspring of life. And I'm coming to you, Impact City, with with my heart in my hand to tell you I love you so much that if we can get our hearts right, if we can put our heart in God's hand and just let God work in our lives and on our lives, that, that we will see life a completely different way. I don't know about you, but none of us in this place, starting with me, have arrived. There's all areas in our lives that can and need to improve. And God wants to work on those areas that we would be able to experience the life he has for us. Every single one of us are operating through names that are written on our heart, good or bad, and it's how we see life. It could be something that was spoken over your life. It could be a person who spoke something over your life. And because of what that person said, it has marked you. It has marked us. And now everything in our lives goes through that filter. It goes through that filter. So we have to get our hearts healed. 
We have to get our hearts healed or nothing else will work. We have to address those issues. I'll show you another story. Genesis chapter 11. This is the account of Terah. Terah, you may not be familiar with who Terah is, but Terah is the father of Abram. Later, Abraham, the father of many nations. So this is the account of Terah. Terah became the father of Abraham, Abram, Noor, and Haran. And Haran became the father of Lot. So that's important to remember. He, he became a father. And while his father, Terah, was still alive, Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans, in the land of his birth. He died. We don't know how he died, but Terah's son, Haran, dies. And what we do know is that it was premature. It could have been disease. It could have been an accident. We don't know. But we know it was premature because daddy is still alive. And it happened in the place of Ur of the Chaldeans. It represents that place that God does not want us to be. But yet we're stuck there. It represents that place where God does not want us to be, but we're stuck there. Look what verse 31 says. Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, out of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram. And together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, so they're making the journey. This is where I have been, and I know God has something greater for me. So they leave where they have been, and they're taking a journey to, to God's best and to God's brightest. They're taking a journey to, to, to the life that God says, it, it, that Jesus spoke of in John 10, 10, a life of abundance. They're moving to that place, but look, they, they come to a place called Haran. It's this place between Ur and Canaan. And, and it's named after his son, who he, who he lost. He had to go through it. But the Bible tells us that he couldn't get past it. And he couldn't get over the pain. So the Bible tells us that he settled there. He settled there. This was not his final destination. It was not the way life was supposed to be. He was supposed to go to Canaan, but the Bible says they settled there. And look what it says. Terah lived 205 years. And he died. In Haran, going from where God called me to be to where I need to be. But when he got to his pain, are you following me this morning? When he got to his pain, that event that was so traumatizing, that event that caused so much hurt, that event that just caused him to look at things different, it was a place that never healed for him. The Bible says he settled there. He got stuck in a place, and he never experienced God's best for his life. He settled for ordinary when God was calling him to be extraordinary. And why is this important? God wants us to experience all that he has for us, a life of peace. 
A life of fulfillment, a life with joy and joy unspeakable, a life that is not contingent based on the circumstances of life. God wants us to experience the best that he has for us. And as he leads us from Ur to our promised land, my prayer is that we would not get stuck in the pain. That we would not get stuck in the loss, that we would not get stuck in the hurt, that we would not miss the next great thing that God wants to do in our lives because I can't get my heart healed. So I want to tell you, don't settle for ordinary when God wants to do something extraordinary in your life. What if all along, you know, Abram is the, the father of many nations. The God of Abraham, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What if all along it should have been the God of Terah, Abraham, and Isaac? What if, just submitting the thought to you, what if the original call was on Terah's life, but he never could get to where God wanted him to be because he didn't confront the issue in his life? Because he, he didn't let God heal his heart. The Bible says he lived there 205 years and he died. And the very next verse, the next verse is Genesis 12, 1, where God calls Abram and says, I, will you go? Will you go? You, your daddy didn't go, but will you? And the truth is that there is something in all of us, starting with the, the man speaking to you today. It's in the heart that we need to bring to God. Not only does God want to write good names over your heart, not only does God want to write good names, but I want to tell you that the, that the enemy of our soul, he seeks to, to kill and to destroy. And he wants to write bad names over your heart. In the book of Daniel, God, God took his hands off of Israel. You've rejected me long enough. And, and because God took his hands off of Israel, in other words, he took his protection off of them, the Babylonians, whose modern-day Iraq went in, ripped apart Jerusalem, pulverized them, took the people out into Babylonia as slaves, or Iraq as modern day, and it's known as the, the captivity or the exile. It's, a, it's a, a sad time in the history of the people of Israel, but watch what happens there. When they're, they're in this country, then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Young men, young men, this is so important. This is so important to know because the enemy is after our youth. The enemy is after our youth. That's why you'll notice college campuses, more, now more than ever, we need to go to war in, in a prayerful approach that God would protect our children. That God would protect the future generations because there's all sorts of junk that is coming through the universities that are being promoted. God help us. Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. In other words, forget everything that you have learned to this point forward, and now we're going to indoctrinate you, and we're, gonna, we're just going to flood your mind with the language and the literature of the Babylonians. It's a lie from the enemy. 
The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after they were to enter the king's service, among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And I'm pretty sure you don't know those names because that's their original Hebrew name. The chief official, you'll know these names, gave them new names to Daniel, the name Belshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. For those VeggieTales people, Rack, Shack, and Benny. From Daniel, but watch the name change because you'll notice that any time that names are so particularly important in the Bible because it, it, it's your destiny, it's your trajectory. From Daniel, God is my judge. To saying God is my judge, that's my name. I'm going to live by God's law to Belshazzar. That's a feminine name. Lady, protect the king. Happening, this is happening in our world today. It is a confused identity. The world calls it gender dysphoria, but it's a lie from the devil. We are made perfectly in the image of God. And God did not make a mistake when he made you. God made you perfectly just as he wanted. God does not make any mistakes. It's a confused identity. That's what's happening in Daniel's life. Look at Hananiah. Hananiah means Yahweh has been gracious. That's what, what's written over his, his life. God is awesome. God is gracious to Shadrach. I am fearful of God. And I, and I know, I recognize that there has been, uh, you have seen a hunger for God like never before. But growing up, that was not the case. Growing up, that was not the case. That we, there was this, this stereotype that you need to be afraid of God. That, that God's going to come after you. And, and makes us have a wrong perspective of God. So this, this young man's name is changed from, from Yahweh has been gracious to now I am fearful of God. Two complete opposites. And that's what the enemy wants to do in our lives. It's a distorted spirituality that we would not come boldly to the throne of grace and find mercy in the time of need. That instead we would retreat from God and say, no, I don't know if God wants me. It's a lie. From the enemy. Look for Meshach, his name, for Mishael, who is what God is. To Meshach, I am despised, contemptible, and humiliated. And I want to tell you that this is probably something that, I, that we can all resonate with because it's wounded emotions. That the enemy wants to ride over our lives. That because something happened to us, that has now defined us. But I want to tell you, it's a lie. Just because it happened to you doesn't make you that. In him, we are all a new creation. He still has the power to heal the wounded emotions of our lives. That you are not a victim. No, you're a victor. 
You're more than a conqueror through him who loved you and called you according to his purpose. And finally, Azariah, which means Yahweh has helped. The name of our God, Yahweh has helped to Abednego, who's a servant of Nebo. This was a Babylonian god of wisdom and agriculture. Patron of scribes and schools. And, and what this simply does is it took this young man and wanted to redirect his purpose. And maybe that's where a lot of us find ourselves here today with the redirected purpose. But God wants to deal with those issues. He loves you too much to leave you like that. It's a plan for your life that you know that wasn't God's plan for your life. And you, you, you've just said, this is where I'm at. I'm already this far in. It's too late. I'm already living it. There's no way out. It's a redirected purpose. And people fall into the trap to think this is just the way I have to live my life without knowing that God has this supernatural ability to make all things work together for good. For them that love him and are called according to his purpose. That while, yes, it is a long way from Andrews to Odessa, when you go through Big Spring. Especially on 176. My gosh. It's a long way when you go through Big Spring, but can I tell you, you can still get to Odessa from Big Spring. What does that mean? While your life may have taken an unexpected turn. I'm speaking to somebody here today. I, while your life may have taken an unexpected turn, and you're asking yourself, how in the world did I get here? Can I tell you that God can still get you to where you need to be? While your life may have taken a turn in a direction that God never intended. The lie that could be written on my heart is, yeah, but I'm already way over here. So why would I even try to get to where God wants me to be? And God says, it's not too late. The last chapter that I've written for your life, it still fits. If you can just come back. If we seek him with our whole heart. God wants to heal our hearts. So I'm inviting you on a process, a journey. Can I tell you, I'd love to be your tour guide. I'm not the answer, but I know who is. And I want to take you on the journey of letting God do a work in your heart. To, to the point where you would say, they used to make me so mad, but doesn't bother me anymore. To the point where God would do some work deep down on the inside that, that you would say, I couldn't stop clicking. But now I don't even want that anymore. What happened? A heart change. A name change. To live according, that, that we would live a life according to God's word. If God made us, why would we get away from the manufacturer's instructions? So this is, I'm just going to share with you four things and I'll, I'll be done. 
Because I, I would love to say I'm going to pray for you and, and all of a sudden you're, you're going to be healed. Your life would change instantly. And while God does do that, sometimes it's a process. Sometimes God heals instantly. Sometimes it's like when I, have, when I get a cut and I have to put a Band-Aid on it. And it just takes some time. And I have to attend to it. And I have to care for it. I have to put Neosporin or Vicks. <laughs> Something. I, I have to attend to it. And I have to. Sometimes it's like that, that. That as God heals my heart. Because I believe that God can heal you instantly today. But just because he doesn't. I, I don't want you to be discouraged and think God doesn't want to heal me. No. I got to put some work in. Amen. I got to put some work in. The first thing is this, I got to let the one who, des- who designed me define me. I, I am who he says I am. I am not what my situation says I am. I'm not what my circumstance says I am. I'm not what they say I am. I am who he says I am. <laughs> Psalms 139, 13 through 16 says, for you created me. You created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Can I tell you, can I speak that into your life today, that you're fearfully and wonderfully made? Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, you, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before every one of them. I have to let him define me. Who does he say I am? That's who he says you are. Second thing is this. You got, we have to see God the right way. There's so many things in, in this life and, and distorted perspectives that, can, that have shaped us, that have formed us, that want to, to get us to see God in a particular way. But I have to see him the right way. I have to see that he loves me, that he loves you just as you are. For some of us, it's, it's hard to believe because no one has really loved us like that. No one has loved us unconditionally in our lives, and that has tainted us and has caused us to put a wall and a barrier. And now I can't really let him in because I've never been exposed to that. He loves you. Let that sink in your spirit this morning. He loves you. He knows what you did last night. He knows what you thought last night. He loves you. Does he approve? No, he doesn't. But he's still crazy about you. Are you sure? Yeah, look what Psalms 139 says. How precious are your thoughts about me, oh God. They cannot be numbered. I couldn't even try to begin to tally. I couldn't even begin to try to count. How precious are your thoughts about me, oh God. Are you sure? Yeah, yeah. He loves you like that. He loves you like that. Third thing is I got to allow God to heal my heart. Is your heart wounded this morning? 
Is your heart hurt this morning? Can you allow God to heal that heart? And it, it only happens when we, we get to the point where we say, I'm taking the mask off. And we say like what Psalms 139, 23 says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me. I go to the one who made me. And I just say, God, I'm, I'm taking the mask off. And there's some areas in my life that are tainted. Some areas in my life that are hurt. There's some areas in my life I've been through some stuff. But I need you to search me. Can you do a work? And the last thing is this. I have to let the one who designed me define me. I have to see him the right way to know that his thoughts for me are good. I have to allow him to heal my heart. And the last thing is I have to invite him into my future. Invite God into your future. Psalms 139.24 says, lead me along the path of ever lasting life. That's not talking about heaven. That's talking about right now. Everlasting life. Joy on this side of heaven is attainable. It's possible. Fulfillment on this side of heaven is possible. It has a path and you will love who you become when you invite God in and say, God, you lead me. I can't do it on my own. I can't lead my, myself. But I need you. You will love who you will, will become if you let God touch your heart. Amen. Father, I thank you today. I thank you for your word that encourages us and reminds us who we are. God, I pray your word has challenged someone in this place today. That we would get to the place, the place of everlasting life today. That for some of us, we'd begin that journey and just let healing come into our hearts. God, we say like David said, search me. Search me. That you would do a work. That you would guard. Lord, we, we want to heed to your word. And guard our heart because it is the wellspring of life. But you know, more than anyone, the stuff we've been through. You know the trauma we've experienced. You know the people walking out on us time and time again. You know the disappointment. You know the discouragement. You know the pain. You know the loss. But I thank you that regardless of what caused the pain, cause the hurt, what cause the loss, you're the healer of it all. 
You're the healer of it all, God. So I just pray right now that for everyone that's saying, God, search me here. I need my heart. I need to get my heart right. God, I pray that you would meet them right where they're at. You know exactly where they're sitting. You know what thoughts are going through their mind. God, that you would meet them right where they're at. That you would do a healing work in everyone today that says, God, there's some areas in my life. So right now, God, that you would heal hearts all over this house. Right now, God, that you would heal, that you would do a work. God, I thank you. I thank you that we will not settle. We will not settle, God, but we will move forward into what you have for us. We will embrace what you have for us. We will live out what you have for us today and forever until you call us home. I thank you today with every head bowed and every eye closed. Maybe today you've never opened your heart. You've never given your life to to God. You've You've never invited Jesus in to be the Lord and Savior of your life. That's the first step. That's the first step. You let, we're all sinners. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But I'm grateful that I get to share with you today that he loves you with a relentless love. He's the God that leaves the 99 and he goes after the one. And he's chasing after you today. You've tried to do things on your own. You're carrying your hurt, your pain. And he says, Come to me. If you're heavy burden, he said, I'll give you rest. Rest for your souls. He wants to give you a rest that you've never experienced before. A life you've never experienced before. And if that is you, every head is bowed, every eye is closed. I'm just going to invite you to raise your hand right where you're at. You don't have to come up to the altar. You don't have to stand. You just have to say right now, I'm raising my hand to say, I'm giving my life to Jesus. I see you. I see you. I see you. I'm giving my heart to Jesus. So right now I'm going to invite everyone, would you pray with me? Dear Jesus, thank you for taking my place, for loving me in my dying state. I open my heart. I invite you in. Be the Lord of my life. I confess you as Lord. I confess you as Savior. Let me live the life you died to give me. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we put our hands together for everybody that accepted Jesus today? I'm going to invite you to stand.